Today's episode is sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. The goal of the CSB is to be faithful to the original languages without sacrificing clarity, all the while maintaining both accuracy and readability. With beautiful designs and multiple study Bible options, everyone, from adults to teens to children, could find a CSB Bible that they enjoy. Learn more at csbible.com. Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. And on today's episode of Real Talk Christian Podcast, we're talking about why mega church pastors fail. It seems like over the last few years, we've seen a lot of them fall, churches imploded, and people are starting to now ask the question, why? Fuller, you ready to jump in? Let's go. Good morning, young sir. Good morning. What? It's morning? It's morning. Holy cow. People are listening <laughs> to this in the morning, and for the first time, I think, ever. I don't think it, ever, no, 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 no. We've done a couple mornings in the beginning, but it was like 10 a.m. <sighs> yeah. Not not, not 7.30 in the morning. Not showing up at church at 7 a.m. Yeah. Wow. We're like really dedicated to you guys. <laughs> I love it. Well, we're here bright and early. We got our coffee. We're drinking we are, it. This is are. the first time we can drink coffee and not think to ourselves, well, I, I may not up. sleep tonight. It's actually kind of nice because this is my second cup of coffee. Is now. it really? It's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, I can keep on drinking because I got all day to stay up now. And what do they say? It's like uh, caffeine. It's like you're not supposed to drink it. What, was it after four hours or six hours when caffeine's like half-life? I so tried. you're not supposed to drink coffee after like two I try to like not. That. I try not to drink coffee anymore since I've had all my heart issues past noon. Past noon. Past noon. And that's a struggle for you because you it love I your do early love morning coffee, cup. but my health is more important. So <laughs> <laughs> I think Janiel would agree with she would. And I struggle I mean, with that every once in a while, like on Friday nights when we typically record. I'll have like a cup, mm-hmm. and that's it. But that's why you only see me. Sometimes I won't drink it at all, and sometimes it'll be sometimes just. Sometimes you cup. won't even finish it. Right. Exactly. So you just want to start off with it. It's it's part of the podcast experience, and I want to say I'd not not what I struggle with. I said that a second ago. I don't struggle with your health and you not choosing coffee over your health because you need to choose <laughs> choose your health. But more the fact of I love coffee around two. I yeah. don't know why. Like 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 you know, I go to Starbucks in the it's, morning usually it's for work, you're, and I you drink. St- you start to drag a little bit at two, it, and it's after lunch. I want to get back into my in, into my my uh, my mojo. Get back into my work mojo, my workflow, right. and coffee. It just. It's a good way to start off it any is. sections because I kind of sure. my 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 work days are split into two different areas. One's the morning, and then one's after. I one's pre lunch, one's post lunch. Well, not just that, but it's like I I come home, I connect with our nanny, I get the kids down to bed, and then I get lunch for myself. And after that, it's been like an hour since I've been working, right? And so it's like I gotta like rejuvenate. So I hear you. More man. coffee. So I, I mean, I, I probably should slow down that, and I probably should also slow down my Halloween candy intake. <laughs> Well, because you know, by the, a lot. by the time this episode drops, we're like almost to Christmas. So that's true. Which fun fact did you have? You been to Starbucks anytime soon, or anytime soon, anytime recently? I have not. Christmas exploded in there. I heard. Like I, heard. I wasn't I, there I saw, Thursday. I saw your picture the other uh-huh. day, I, and I saw your picture in my picture. Yeah, because I almost right. took a picture. I was like, oh wait, no, that's my work project. Hey, let's bring up Fuller real quick. <laughs> Boop. Hello, Fuller. <laughs> but I mean, I was there on Wednesday. Yep, and it was normal. Right. I was not there on Thursday, and I walk in on Friday, and everything in that store is red, like like red. Christmas threw up in Christmas the store. Christmas exploded. Like they, you walk they forgot in, about Thanksgiving, went straight to Christmas. Well, okay, so John Acuff, I love John Acuff. He has a post where it's like, you know, all the people who get mad about us celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving. He's like, tell me five good Thanksgiving songs. Ooh, which I mean, it's but it's a lot Ooh. of those same like, thank you, Lord, like thank you, Lord, for give saving my to, soul. Give thanks to the Lord, our God, our King. His love endures forever. Now you guys know why we have real jobs. <laughs> that, that's why Soche is the worship pastor yeah. at Southside. But, you know, we are getting close to Christmas. Right now, I think it's after Thanksgiving. It is. This episode yeah, I is think, dropping. I think we're a couple weeks before Christmas at this point. 
Sorry, we're unsure because it's like the Saturday after Halloween when we're recording right now. <laughs> Which, because we need to start talking about a Christmas giveaway. We do. We need to start oh, talking about man. a Christmas giveaway. Give away a Christmas shirt or a hoodie or something like that. Ooh, I think should, that'd be pretty dope. I should make up a Christmas mug, an RTC Ooh, Christmas mug. Oh, I like that. Let's do that. Ooh. How about we just, we, we, we just name and claim it right now that we're going to give away an we're RTC gonna, Christmas we're, mug. We're going to give a... RTC Christmas mug and a RTC Christmas coffee of some sort. I don't know what kind. That means you got to roast again. Well, if I don't have time to roast, we could always buy, and it'll just be some random coffee. We, we send do you a from, local from South Bend. You right, know? sure, sure, from a local coffee shop or something like that. But we'll send you guys some sort of coffee to fill your coffee cup. With the RTC Christmas that's, coffee mug. That is dope. That's going to be the giveaway for Christmas. I like it. So we're giving All away right. Christmas Coffee mug. Christmas coffee mug. I like it. I like it. Well, you know, something we've been doing on the show for a while now. I wonder if we need to flip the script going into 2022 because we've been doing this or that questions for a while now. We have. And so. Well, we've been doing would you rather. We've been doing would you rather. I mean, yeah, it's like so we would you rather do this. We did or question this or that. in a box. Question in a box. Yep. And we did the would you rather. And now you want to go to this or that. Well, I say this or that. I always say this or that oh. because you choose this or that, which is either. Gotcha. This gotcha. Or would this, you rather. Okay. Or would you rather so do what do you want to do? This? Let's. I mean, let's let's keep doing the the would you rather through the this end or of the that year or whatever through the end of the year, and yeah. then we'll switch it up, right? Because you All know right. we want people, you know, because obviously this is where it's hard, right? Like I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I don't feel like I know the people I'm listening to. Sure. So what I actually do is I go onto their website, I go on their social media, and I stalk them for a little bit to make sure they're not some Joe Schmo weird person or whatever. One person I listened to her podcast because I started doing a course for, from her and I'm like, I, I, I just give me all the wealth of wisdom. So it's like, I listen to your podcast cause I, you know, was connected with you already. Right. But if, but if people just find the show, which lately a lot of people have been just randomly finding the show, which is cool. And if, awesome. if, if we want to speak into people's lives and have them reach out to us, we want to, we, we want people to know who we are too. Yeah. Definitely. So, so well, you're ready for this. Let's dive into the, let's would you go. rather? All right. So, I got to preference this question a little bit, okay? You got to preference it? I got to pre, pre pref, No, that's not the right one. In the Euthanasia episode, I asked you if it was appropriate, so I'm going to ask you again, is it appropriate? It's appropriate, <laughs> but I have to... You you have to be in the mindset of not the current business you're in, but as a... When you were pastor at, at Southside. Okay? okay, okay. So would you rather let your parents access your browsing history or let your boss access your browsing history? Put it back in the time frame of... When I don't think it matters because my browsing history is just... That's mine is pretty clean, too. It doesn't really matter who accesses it. I mean, but I would probably say my mom because no matter what, I don't want to get fired. Right. Yeah. I, I'd say I mean, parents. I, I would go with either or, but I'll go with parents because you're just saying parents. 44% say parents, 56% they would rather let their boss. Wow. Somebody's got something to hide from their mom I'll and say, dad. You don't have from mom and daddy. I will say, though, whenever I was studying for certain sermon preps, I was like, I hope nothing gets triggered in this church's, <laughs> church's internet firewall where it's like, <laughs> what is Mark looking up at church? I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm sorry. It's, 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 it's for a series. It's for a series. He's in, he's in the book of Leviticus. What's he looking up bestiality for? <laughs> I was more like, he's in the book sorry. of Song of Solomon. What is he reading? Uh -oh. oh, yeah. All right. Would you rather, this is an easy one, I think that I don't even have to really ask this question, but for our listeners, I will. Would you rather watch Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad? Neither. Oh, I'd watch Breaking Bad all day long. Can I put Madam Secretary in there? No. I mean, if I had to choose, I would say Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? It's it's a pretty, it's a, not a kid-friendly show. It's not a really good show, it just, but out of this, the two choices and the se whole series of it, it's got a good storyline. And that's what I've heard. I've heard it's a good storyline, but I just couldn't. Like, I don't know. It's, it seems a little... Like, like, I've tried Blacklist, or I've tried to get myself to want to watch Blacklist, yeah, but it's I've just so dark, that. man. It's like The Sopranos. I can't get into The Sopranos. No, like, either. I mean, if it's too dark, it's more the fact of I don't... I, I know how that affects my thoughts. Okay. You, you know? Want, just real quick before we go to the last Would You Rather, but uh, lately, um, Piper... And I have really, she's really gotten into it, but we've started the whole season watching, binge watching of Family Matters. Remember Family oh, Matters from the Steve 80s? Urkel? Yeah. Oh, She yes. absolutely just sits there and cracks up at the show the entire time. And which, you are here for which it. Which makes me laugh at the show and at her because of how hardcore <laughs> she's laughing at Steve Urkel. And that was, was that 80s or was that 90s it when it came out? It was 89 when it came out. Okay. And it ran through the 90s part of the 90s but, i remember watching that as a kid like before school yeah so the best part about it though is that is that piper goes daddy i go yeah she goes i want to be piper urkel <laughs> i said you know what steve's a real nice young man you go for it <laughs> and that's it. by the end of the show you're like man 
I like Steve is just a good dude. Steve is my boy, man. Steve is a good dude. Well, and then I told my so my father and I, my father in law and I were talking about it, and I go, you know, as a kid, I remember growing up saying, I wish Carl Winslow was my father. Yep, mm-hmm. because Carl was such a cool dad. Like even though he was kind of weird. He was like such a cool, well, he was family goofy, minded. Of yeah, but he loved his wife. Exactly. He loved his kids, right? And he always wanted the best for his kids. And he wasn't overly like crazy on his kids. And, and the the episode I remember from that show specifically is when um, his son got pulled over, and it was because he was a black kid in a white neighborhood. And it's like it, that was back in the eighties. And right. I remember the the talk that he gave, and it was one of those talks where it's like, look, the world the world's going to be hard. Right. And and that's just the, the, the fight you have to fight. But we need to change it from not this way, but we need to change it in this way. Right. Which I thought was really cool. Um so I remember that conversation. I remember the conversation with uh Will Smith when he was talking about his dad and the Fresh Prince of Bel Air <sighs> with, and, Uncle uh, Phil. with Uncle oh, Phil. Oh man, I started and, to cry. And he was talking about his dad and why his dad left him and all these different yeah. things. And Uncle Phil gave him a big hug and then I read later that that was that was all that emotion. Was, that was him talking about his real dad, yeah, not the emotion. show dad. Yeah, and it's just like, man, you see these shows back in the eighties and nineties, or even like uh, Full House. They don't make shows like that. Like anymore. like the conversations that well, they would they, have with their kids, like with, and they talked about yeah, they talked about the hard issues. Uh huh. But they did it in such a way that was like, I don't know, it was just very wholesome. It now, wasn't like in your face with all the gruesome. It was like, like we're gonna explain it out, but it's gonna be in a way that's not. Uh, too far out there. Exactly, but it's right where kids and teenagers need to have those conversations. Right, exactly. Well, rather than shoving it down throat, let, let's just right. Let's 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 actually well, have a conversation. Record the conversation rather than if, throwing yeah. all the grotesque things mm, out yep. about the things. You know, it's hey, this is the con- we need. To, yeah, they're they're talking to a specific age range, and they did a very good job with those shows doing that. No, I think Fuller House, like they still tried to do it, but man, they're too, many, they're too trashy. They, for but me they now. they try to have these heart-to-heart conversations i'm like man there ain't nothing like a dating conversation Mm-mm. or uncle joey yeah but even now when they have those get uh, those actors back on the show then it's not the same it's not it, the same they're, they're that whole i, I do enjoy fuller house but it, it but it ain't full house but those shows from the 90s man the 80s they, 90s they family good. matters i mean even different strokes hey even I enjoyed friends, these, some different strokes even friends was or seinfeld those were all funny I've only hilarious seen, like maybe three episodes of seinfeld Dude, bro we're not friends anymore, are we? Bro. I don't watch The Office. I don't I don't watch The Office. I thought you anymore. were an Office guy. No, that's Janelle. Janelle. Okay. Beth is yeah. a big Office guy. I'm just not. Office girl and Parks and Rec. I'm an Office girl <laughs> in an Office world. Oh, goodness. All okay, right. so what's this last one? All right, last one, and then we'll, we'll move on here since we're at 12 minutes. We'll talk about 30. the coffee after this. Um, would you rather have a face that everyone laughs at or have a name that everyone laughs at? Definitely name. Well, I've got both. Everybody <laughs>, laughs at me. No, <laughs> no, nobody laughs at you. I would say both are horrible choices, so I'll go with you. 87% say they would rather have a name that everyone laughs at rather than a face. Well, it's like, you know, the the name is just whatever. Like, your name is your name. Like, like you know, like, I think in the NBA, like, there's so many players' names that they just get razzed for their names. Or NFL, they get razzed for their names. And, you know... A name's a name, but if it's because of your face, I'm like, I feel like that's a little bit more personal, and it's it's something you can't change. Right. Like, your face is your face, and that's just that's just not cool. But so, how many people, what was the percentage, like up in the 80s, you said, or something like that? Yeah, 83%. 83%. Sorry, I'm percent. Re- re- responding to one of our guests right now that we're going to be interviewing oh, in a little while. Cool. Hey, while you do that, I'm going to read the review for the week. So this one dates back to October 23rd. And we have we have not ran out of reviews in a while. So all you guys, you guys are awesome. Thank you. So this is from S.T. Sweeney. So I'm guessing that's the name, but S.T. Sweeney says, great work. I started listening to your podcast over the last few weeks and has helped me through some of the biggest questions and brought me much clarity and joy. I've shared this with my fiance, and now we listen together as well as my parents. Thank you for great discussions and content helping me grow closer in my pursuit of being a better disciple of Jesus. Well, S.D. Sweeney, appreciate it, but thank I, you. I, I'm not going to say a gender, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. So reach out to us. We, we've said this in the last few episodes, but Janiel said she would take over making sure that those mini, mini swag, swag bags get shipped out. You have to send us your information yep. in order for that to happen. We are not clairvoyant. We can't just, hey, we know. 
We don't. We don't know. Speaking of sending us their information, did you know I sent someone our information? I saw that. I There's saw a, a listener. listener. My my phone's over there, so I can't pull the name out of the top of my head. Uh, it's way uh, over there. But yeah, uh, we are I, having that? coffee shipped to us from Virginia. I think that was Insta. It's Instagram. It? Yeah, yeah, it was Instagram. Which I do have to say, a lot of you guys have been reaching out over texting, phone calls. We called a listener recently. You guys have been sending us a lot of emails and a lot of DMs, and we cannot be more appreciative of it. We always say it. We want to continue the conversation offline, and you guys have forced us to do that, and we are thankful, and we are here for it. James Williamson. There it is. I was thinking it was something with a J, but I was going to say Jimmy, so I'm glad it's James. James Williamson. James is sending us coffee Thank from you, Virginia. We appreciate I am it. here for it and I am excited. But before we start the conversation, we gotta talk about the coffee. Okay, so the coffee This is, is not our sponsored coffee. It's not sponsored coffee because well Mark, That's next episode. I told Mark about a coffee last week, and he's uh-huh. like, I got to try it. So I'm like, all right, I'll bring it next week. But when you say that there's such a thing as good Costco coffee, I don't believe you. Well, that's what I thought, too. When Janiel brought this bag home, I'm like, there's... <sighs> like, why would you waste your money? Like, like seriously, dear, why you, would you waste you your know, money? You know, I'm a, I am a truly a coffee snob, and it has to taste good, or else I, I just refuse. I will not drink any coffee if it is not good coffee. I've thrown some coffee away recently. I will spew it out of my mouth. <laughs> If okay, it is Mr. not good lukewarm. Coffee. Okay, Mr. I, lukewarm. I, I will not. There's been times where, well, it's like every time we tried like a, a coffee Those drink, weird, gross and ones. it's like yeah. I won't even drink it if if it's Aldi flavored coffee, brand coffee. I take a sip and I go, nope, and I dump it right down the drain. I just will not drink it. I don't know why my taste buds have changed, and I just can't stomach anymore. It makes me physically sick to drink bad coffee. Yep. But Janelle brought home a a Mayan blend from Costco, and it's organic. It's for, uh, it's a blend of Honduran, Guatemalan, and Mexican coffee, which is like all of our favorites. Which besides is, Peru, the Peru is not thrown in there, right? We love the, Peru. Right. But these are my favorites. But these are into these a bag. Is, this is a good batch of blend, and I'm not typically a blend guy either. But it's a medium roast, and it is phenomenal. it is phenomenal. I went to Costco the other day to buy another bag. It was so good. I'm like, did you really? And then so I, I was like, I was talking it up at at work, you know, where the rest of my coffee snobs live, and. uh and they're like, all right, yeah, right. I'm like, no, let me bring some in for you to try. And so I brought some in. They're like, wow, for store-bought coffee, this is really good coffee. I was like, I know, right? It's really good. <laughs> really good like stuff. Like, it's smooth. But it's This is this is a good morning sip in coffee. I, I always joke it's about what good. time of day to drink it. Because, like, my favorite time to drink our, our coffee from Brew It Forward, depending on, on, on the, the brew, the Costa Rican that I have right now is perfect right after lunch. The, see, after that's, lunch is Perfect. That's how I feel about the Peruvian coffee mm, okay. from, from Brew It Forward is that it's a good after lunch, like, pick-me-up. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. But or, like, the end of the work day, like, if I was going to yes. have a cup of coffee. You know, like, Beth and I have been spending money on good decaf lately because we've been having decaf a lot at night. Barf. You can get good decaf. You just got to find it. You got to pay for it. <laughs> that, that one coffee at That's night. like sugar-free candy. Well, you know, I, we buy buying sugar-free candy. It's like, no, it's not the same. It's There's not, a, but I want to go to bed, and I want to drink coffee at 11 o'clock at night. I would just say I don't need to drink I'll drink a <laughs> cup of tea. But needless to say, this coffee is very good, my it friend. Is, so, Janiel, thank you for finding us this thank coffee. Thank you, Janiel. But before we move on, you know, Brew It Forward Coffee Co., Brew It Forward Coffee Co. Dot com. Is there, they're the official sponsor. They're the official sponsor. So even though we're not drinking it, we got to talk about them we, because they are do. amazing people. Jared and Marianne, in fact... I just found a video where someone interviewed like Jared, him doing the process of wow. roasting the beans. So I got to get my hands on that video and share it with our our listeners too. Yeah, definitely. And but like the 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 love that he has in the machine. I mean, the machine literally is run off of like like you know stereotypical analog stuff where he's controlling the temperatures sure. and the spins and the stuff. But then he has his computer right next to him doing stuff with sure, it you're too. Track, you're trending and tracking. I'm like, this man's got a deep. Deep love for his coffee. He yep. really does. And he takes great care of it, great appreciation, and so much so that he wants to roast it and ship it in the same day, get it to you within two or three days of it brewing or of it roasting. Roasted. So that way when you brew it, it's fresh, fresh as all get out. And then all the proceeds go to help foster kids and halfway houses and yeah. other ministries that just help kids and honestly teenagers, young adults that are just down and out. Right. So it's a great ministry. It's a great partnership. If you use the coupon code RTC, you get 10% off just a right. bag of coffee. If you get the subscription, you can't use RTC, but we recommend the subscription because you get free shipping. You're paying basically what a, a dollar per pound of coffee and you get a different origin every single month. It's, more- it's like 18 bucks for 16 pounds. Or 16 yeah, ounces, right? You're talking a dollar per ounce. But I said a dollar per pound, didn't yeah, I? I was, I was like, like that's cheap. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so you get a dollar per ounce, basically, right. which is a phenomenal deal, and you don't even have to think about it. Coffee right. just shows up on your doorstep. Every every month. Every month. 
You know, you subscribe to Netflix, you subscribe to Amazon Prime, you subscribe to Hulu. Why not subscribe for your coffee at brewforwardcoffeeco.com. That was a good commercial. We got to come up with a jingle for it now. We do. We need to come up with something for them. Anyways, anywho, dude, it's 20 we, minutes in. Let's wow, dive I into apologize to all the people. So today, hopefully, I mean, I don't know if this will be a long conversation now. We're going to find out. Well, it's got to be semi-short because we only have like 30-ish minutes before we need to Let's be done now. Let's go because we have a really cool interview lined up for the next episode. But right. So there's a podcast that I've been listening to, and I have been subscribed to it since the, they dropped the trailer, which was like months before they dropped the first episode, and it was right. called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. And so if you guys don't know the history of Mars Hill Church up in Seattle, Pastor Mark Driscoll was the lead pastor up there. Um, long story short, it grew in leaps and bounds in a just – handful of years. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of people in one of the most un uh, unchristian cities in the most one of the most un I was talking with a buddy of mine who lives in California and everyone in California looks at the people who live in Washington state and they go, "No, we ain't the crazy ones. They they the crazy ones." <laughs> and so he he started a church in Seattle, Washington, one of the most unreached cities in all of America. That's that's super big and super liberal. And um they started a church there, and it just grew in leaps and bounds, and they were one of the first churches that to get their sermons online, so people started listening to their sermons all over the place. Before he was even 30 years old, he had one of the largest churches in the nation right. that started with a Bible study of, like, six people, and he was he started Acts 29 Network, which was a church planning network, was starting conferences, starting ministries. Their worship team was par none. Um, the, the song Grace Alone that we sing in church was written by his worship team, mm-hmm. and it was a thriving, bumping Church. In fact, even when I was, you know, forming my theology when I was in undergrad and coming out of undergrad, Mark Driscoll played a big part in the theology that that I studied. And he wrote a theology book. He wrote a book called Real Marriage, where him and his wife actually got very explicit and they weren't just trying to do the whole, oh, just love your spouse. They're like, no, we're gonna get explicit and we're gonna tell you all these different things, which made some people uncomfortable. But you know, at the end of the day, people loved from from afar, loved how real and vulnerable and raw this man was like he loved jesus he had his issues but that's okay well uh, a handful of years ago the church literally imploded overnight where all of a sudden he got fired and the reason was was because he was a jerk and just was a bully and a tyrant and all these different things and so one week they walk in uh, rick warren did the one of the final sermons of the church mark driscoll then gave us gave a speech and this like a handful of weeks later the elders walked up and said marcel church is no more Every single location that's all across America is now a on, single autonomous location. Marcel churches were coming together to be like, okay, we need to come together and be a church because we're still both church plants, so let's come together and make our own church and have our own local pastor. And all of a sudden, people ask the question of, how do you go from one of the largest churches in America, one of the most powerful teaching ministries in all of America, to being fired, the church closes doors, and everything was shut down overnight? Like, what on earth happened? And so this whole podcast is, isn't just talking about the church specifically, but behind the scenes of interviewing different people that were close with Mark and other things like that. And then asking the question of how does a church that is baptizing people, like that church has baptized more people than some entire denominations have over the last handful of years. And so how does a church that seems to be on fire for Jesus, doing amazing things in the city, in people's lives, self-destruct and implode. Why did this leader all of a sudden get fired? And what were the characteristics behind that? And how were people affected by it? And then and then out of that, we see so many other pastors falling right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen, uh, we, we don't necessarily need to name names, but even in our own denomination, we've seen some amazing pastors with amazing platforms and ministry that they're no longer pastors, or they were fired from their churches, and then they were gone for a little bit, then started new church plants or whatever. But the question is, is why do mega pastors or mega church pastors keep falling and keep failing and their churches implode? And then I think that's not just the main question, but I think the real question is more the fact of why do pastors keep failing mm-hmm. and falling and their lives and ministries implode? And so before we jump into the conversation, I want to start with a quote by, by a guy, Kerry Newoff, um, kerrynewoff.com. Uh, I think it's leadlikeneverbefore.com is the other way to get to his website and whatnot. And he was, a, again, a small little local church pastor of like 75 people. And then they went to 300 and then they exploded to like uh, 10 times that. And they're in Canada, right. which is not, a, I mean, they're, they're, Canada is not like America when it comes to religious matters, especially outside of Toronto. And so all of a sudden he wrote this book and about how, um, uh, the things that can destroy a leader because there are things that destroyed him. 
and he was he was burnt out. He was ready to quit the ministry. He's ready to do all these different things and uh, a whole lot of Jesus and hundreds of hours in therapy is what he said is what got him back on track. But he said that it's way too easy for your platform to outgrow your character. And that's where the danger lies. Mm. And, you know, a lot of pastors nowadays, and maybe this is where we should start the conversation of so many pastors nowadays, including, I struggled with this too, of, you know, you're on a stage, you're teaching, you're getting the claps, you're getting the pat on the back. But then you look around on Instagram and on Facebook and on YouTube, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, so this dude has over a million followers on YouTube. This dude's flying a private jet. This dude wrote a book. This guy has a film crew that just follows him around all day for Instagram content and for Instagram stories and whatnot. And all of a sudden you see these pastors who are now all of a sudden not just a local church pastor, but they are a national and global phenomenon, mm-hmm. like both in the Christian and in the secular world. And I think the question is that we need to have the conversation of what is the role of the pastor should we desire to be a megachurch pastor? Should we desire to have platforms? Should we listen to sermons of people who are megachurch pastors? And just what should we do out of all of this? Because people are having the conversation of if megachurches are, a lot of them are like this, and does a lot of the pastors act like this, is that the right way to do church? Mm-hmm. You know, And so I think, I, I don't know, I, I don't necessarily know where I want the conversation to go. I don't have outlines. I don't have points. I just have a whole bunch of verses and thoughts and questions. So, so I'm going to toss it your way and just oh, ask great. you the question. <laughs> okay, well, to go back and forth, I've asked the question of, is having this celebrity pastor mindset with a platform, like, is that an okay desire for someone to even have? I think uh, the Bible is pretty specific about wanting to have your own glory and your own honor and where that leads, right? Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> I didn't even think I was going to pull these scriptures out so quick because she asked the question. <laughs> uh, so uh, there comes an aspect where you don't glorify yourself. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24 says, this is what the Lord says. So this isn't what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in their strength. The wealthy should not boast in their wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. So if you're going into it trying to be a celebrity pastor or a influencer or a platform reformist, whatever you want to call it, and that's your mindset going into it, I think as a Christian you're going into it for the wrong reason. Hmm. If you're going into it because you've been called by the Lord to go into it and you're just going being a faithful servant, not caring about what you become because you know that, hey, me looking at myself becoming something is, a, is an act of pride um, and I should never want people to look at me. I should always redirect to look at God. Matthew five sixteen mm-hmm. so talks about this. That, those are the only reasons why I should go into any type of ministry if I go into it looking to gain followers or have this big following or make millions of dollars. I'm in it for the wrong reason. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like something unclean, and all our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. Some say like filthy rags. This is where Jesus requotes mm-hmm. it. Is this, um, all of us are like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. So left to our own devices... <laughs> We're going to just blow away like the wind and, and let things overtake us because we were never meant to go into anything saying it's for God, but really it's for ourselves. And do you think this is a harder, uh, I don't want to say sin, uh, a harder temptation nowadays oh, with the Instagram influencer culture and the and, you I know, think Facebook fans and all these different things? I think it is. I, I think you and I have even talked about it for our, this podcast that if – if it ever got to a point where where I felt, and I can't speak for you, but if I felt like, hey, I'm losing, I'm losing the real meaning behind you said this, this podcast, from day one, right? If if I feel like I'm in it for putting content out to get followers or listeners or anything like that, I will step down from this podcast. I I I mean, I can't speak for you. You got to do what you got to do. But for me, if I feel myself gaining too much pride from this, I will step away. Because that's not what this podcast is for. This podcast is to help educate and have these real conversations with other Christians. We're having the conversation here, but we've had so many great conversations. And to glorify God. Never to point to our glory, but always to redirect to the glory of God. Every time we've talked to somebody, 
you know, through Instagram, Facebook, uh, text message, email, that's always pretty much our typical response once oh you guys are great it's like well it's not us it's god like like, like there's like one time that we, that we i mean in in one of the response i still need to finish the response from it where you know someone asked us well like you know with the pro-life conversations and i came back and said well this is what we do this is what we're about right and so but having that line of look at us 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 it's it's that's that's a hard thing to balance it and, is and i think that's where a lot of the struggle comes and you know going back to pastors with platforms I don't think a lot of pastors got into quote unquote the pastor game because of it. Now I will right. say, so our worship, I don't know if you know this story super well, but uh, Brendan Prout, when he was here, mm -hmm. the church he came from, the person that was the pastor of his church was a con man. Mm. Like, you know, he got saved, quote unquote, this is his testimony. He got saved in prison because he was in prison, got locked up, got his life turned around, went to Sarah and did all these different things. Sure. And you know, the question, and then all of a sudden it finds out that he's embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars and doing all these different things. And the question is, okay, did you find Jesus and the temptation became too strong or did, or did you literally con right. a church of thousands of people? Right. Like really what on earth happened? Well, I and don't, so, but I don't think most pastors get into the quote unquote wanting to pastor right. because of for, it for the, platform. for the wrong reason. However, I think in today's culture, I think that's starting to change. Well, I really I, do. I think so too, but let's talk historically, right? Okay, yeah, historically, I don't think there's been any pastor preacher. I don't even think honestly, and I could be wrong, but I don't think Benny Hinn got into it for wanting followers or this big, you know, mega ministry originally. I don't think he did. I'd like to believe he didn't. I could be wrong. But for most pastors that I've seen that have become this, they've got small beginnings typically. Mm -hmm. And I would like to try to believe in the character of most of these men that maybe they had good character or, or we think of Rave Zacharias, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the end of his life and everything that's come out of out of what his ministry had become. I'd like to believe that he did not get into it for those reasons, for that power. I believe that um, I'd like to believe that they got into it for for the right reason. I could be wrong, but I think my my blanket statement is going to be that no, I believe most pastors get into it for the right reasons, and then they are slowly deterred and carried away. Mm -hmm. And there's a mind shift. And Kerry Newall said that too. And I didn't put his points from his blog where I got the quote from, but he said, why do so many megachurch pastors fail? And that's what I like about him is he flipped to me and I, right. not them, not right. they. Right. And he said, one of the things that caused him to struggle was it got too big, too fast, and I couldn't handle it anymore. Right. And that's what he said. Well, and, and that's what I've told like Janelle. Janelle knows that, hey, she's got to watch out because I, I've said it on the show, I have pride. So if I start getting too prideful, she has to tell me, hey, watch it. Because she's my she's my lookout right now, mm -hmm. right? And you're my lookout. And, you know, Brandon Soche is my lookout. And I've got different people looking at me going, hey, you know, you're, you're on the right track. Or, hey, no, you're, you've taken it. You're gone somewhere else. And at that point, I got to step away because now I'm doing more harm than good because I'm glorifying myself rather than glorifying God. And I think that's the mindset. That I know that you and I are in, but that's the mindset I, I wish all pastors would stay in and have those safeguards put in place to say, hey, you're getting too prideful. Hey, you're looking at the uh, at the following of yours rather than the following of Jesus. And that, that that's where, again, and the, Kerry Newoff again mentions in his article, and this is a big thing about the podcast, was a lot of times we fall because we get so big that people don't speak into our lives anymore. Right. Like, I don't think... I will ever get to a point where you won't speak truth into me. I hope not. No. <laughs> and, and I hope the same for and, you to right. me. Right. <laughs> and and but you're you're a lot better at it than I am. Um and and that's why we're that great of friends is we've had right. times where you've had to come at me and be like, "Bro, this is not okay." Right. Like we got to figure this out. Um and and we did. Right. And I feel like and I don't want to say I feel like I know this for a fact. Part of the going back to Mark Driscoll in the podcast what Carrie Newoff was saying is the fact of when you become so big that no one can call out your sins, that's a problem. Right. And a lot of times what pastors will do, and this is one thing that, one reason why not to elevate Scott, um, but our pastor did this. He was a solo pastor at this church. And he said, he, he, I was talking with him a few years ago, and I said, because we were having some issues with people coming at him and thinking that he wants to have power control and all these different things. And I'm like, has it always been like this? Have people always threatened that you want to have a, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm the top dog and nobody else matters? And he goes, right. 
no, that's why I said we need another team. He said for, I don't know how many years before they had it, like maybe 12 years, he goes, I was a solo pastor. I was the only one who did anything. Not right. I did anything, that's not true. But in terms of leading and directing the church, it was just him. There might've been someone else on staff. There might've been, you know, that there was a worship or uh, a youth pastor before me. And, you know, they were doing their own, own direction as well. But he's like, I was a solo pastor. For lack of a better word, he didn't answer to anybody. Right. And now... And he was like, that's not okay. That's not safe. So we have the elder board that if he says, hey, I think we want to do this. I've been in those meetings where they're like, no, that's right. like, that's, that's not the direction we need to go. Or right. if, if Scott's like, hey, this is what I want to do with the situation. They're like, mm, you, you, that, that might be a prideful response. Maybe we should go in this regard. Because, right. you know, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. And Scott yeah, wanted that definitely. for himself. And a lot of times in, 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 in the podcast, the, the Mars Hill one, the, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, uh, Mark Driscoll gave a sermon basically about Nehemiah, which we just recently talked about the sword and trial type thing. Yeah. And anyone who goes against the mission, you know, it's either get on the bus or get off. And there's a whole lot of bodies behind the Marceau bus, but look what we're doing for Jesus. So we either get on the bus or we're running you over. Right. And if you start to want to change the direction of the ministry, the vision, mission, purpose, you're done. Like we will throw you off the bus. And so they, they, they went to him and say, we're seeing some things that aren't good. They got axed. Yeah. Like they got literally axed. Like they walked into a meeting where they thought it was fine. Then all of a sudden it's not okay. Well, and, and not to sound and, like, and, I'm, and, and we're not, not trying to hate on one person. Not, well, not to sound like I'm defending them either, mm -hmm. but there is a point where we have to watch for dissension. Right. Right. <clears throat> we know that the scripture speaks upon. And this wasn't dissension causing, either. Right. And so there's a fine line between dissension and then, Hey, we're just power hungry. I'm going to put everybody on our thumb. And that's why I said, I'm not defending Mark Driscoll's church at all or the ministry. <clears throat> but uh, the fact that um, just because a eldership board, you know, if you come to the pastor and you go, I got this problem with you and they go, well, that's not, we're not going to do that. That doesn't mean that, Hey, they're of the Mark Driscoll ministry mindset of its power. You know, there's also, Hey, we have to look out for everybody else. And, and, so and don't, I struggle don't, with that. Right. And because like, even in our church, like, okay, like, let's say this is probably the, the easiest example that any church ever has to deal with the music style and the music oh, volume, yeah. right? That's, I, I don't feel like our church has worship wars right now. I feel like we have volume wars is really what it is. And because like for us, you know, we, we've been sitting where we sit because <laughs> it's better. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the best, it's the best speaker in the house. It's close to the best speaker. Like we like know it's the, the best speaker out of all the speakers and we sit the closest to it. So we get the volume. Right. And, and I don't want to say that that's the best way to go about it either, but it's more the fact of, you know, when, when we were at two services and we had second service was more for like a lot more of the younger people showed sure, up and most, sure. you know, that were a little older went to first, we were the music wasn't so loud that it hurt. It was just full. The music was full. And so, but it was at a good level. It was at a good level. But now we have these fights back and forth. And at what point do a pastor says, this is what we're doing. So get on board or get off. Well, or how do you love someone and say, this is the direction of the church? Because yes, we want to care about you individually. Sure. But at the same token, we need to care about the whole body, the whole body. So right. if the whole body wants and you don't like it, how can right. we help you through this? I, you I know? don't, I don't think a pastor should ever be should ever use the phrase get on board or get run over or get off you know mm -hmm. i think that's a poor choice of words i get the philosophy and the meaning behind it which i can semi get behind but i think those are the wrong words to use <laughs> in right. that type of situation i think uh, uh the the better phrase to use as well we have to uh, we have to work together to find a middle ground mm-hmm and with the volume war, okay, what's the, they want it this soft, they want it this loud, it's going to go to the middle ground. Well, pastor, it's still too loud. Look, it's the middle ground. Pastor, it's still too soft. Look, it's the middle ground. It's the middle ground for both. It's the best for the entire church. Everybody has to compromise a little bit. And that's even hard because you got volunteers who run out. Every volunteer runs it a little different. And then right. how do you tell a volunteer this is what it needs to be or you can't serve any? Like, well, I'm and, not saying that's the conversation you, you need yeah. to go into. And you don't even have to say that. It's just, hey, this is the volume that, that we as a leadership team have decided is best for the church. Please keep it to this. Mm-hmm. And then if they and a good servant would be able and then, to, and then if they're not a good servant and they keep bumping it up or bumping it down, then 
the eldership team needs to talk to them, and then it just need, it start, has to start becoming a real conversation. So, so let's lean into this a little bit, where we talk about you know the church as an institution, as and as an organization mm-hmm. versus the body of Christ. And and right now, with you know, I was part of the the upcoming generation where we have always listened to podcasts and leadership talks and all these different things, and you hear all these pastors talk about. You know, if you want to grow your organization, these are pastors. If you want to grow the the the, the institution, like like we would say, Southside is yes, the church, but the organization of Southside Baptist Church, because you know you have to run it, you have to have it organized in some way, shape, or form. Where you have finances and this and this and this. There's a lot of things that you have to r- not run it like a business, but you have to run it like it's a business because um, there's business elements. But you know, I was brought up to say, as a pastor, your job is to lead the vision, teach preach and pray and that's it and then you need to if you want to grow you have to start thinking more like a ceo more than a mom and pop shop where you do everything because if you want to grow you can only grow it beyond you so if you want to grow your church which there's truth to this like if it was just pastor scott by himself doing everything you know would the church be able to reach more people would the church be able to do more for the community or is it better to just let go and let volunteers run things and let other staff members run things to do it so i guess my question i'm trying to figure out is should we where's the where's the line and i think this is where a lot of mega church pastors fails where is the line between you're the ceo of an organization trying to lead it into a direction somewhere versus no, you're the under shepherd you're you're the pastor you're supposed to come alongside sure. people so where's that line well uh I think it's pretty plain throughout Scripture, and I don't remember exactly where the Scripture's at, but it talks about how we plant the seed and God gives the increase, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we're looking at, we got to grow the organization. We have already lost, and we should not be in ministry. Mm-hmm. Right then and there, when you go, I need to grow this organization, you're out. You should not qualify at that point because now you're going beyond your calling. You're called to plant the seed. Mm-hmm. That's it. That You just plant the seeds to as many people as you can, and God provides the increase. Right, but then you also see, though, where it says Paul planted, but Apollo or Apollos watered. Sure, sure. You know? So what if you're the water? So what's a planting? In that analogy, what's planting? Paul went and preached the gospel, right? Right. Outside and, of the and, church. And people started... Outside of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people started following and Jesus. People came and to, people came to Christ, and, and then Apollos continued the teaching. This is the role of the pastor, mm. right? This is where he just teaches. Right, because Paul was the evangelist. Paul went out and gathered, or Paul went out and, and, and planted the seed and helped gather, there's other people that are called to go and gather. Mm-hmm. And then Apollos was specifically called to just continue to water. That's all he was called to do. He wasn't called to cultivate. He wasn't called to do anything else, just to water. And then God provided the increase. So there, there is specific ways lined out throughout Scripture about how things should be done. And I think that if, again, if our f- sole focus is to grow the organization, we've missed We've missed it. We do not deserve to be in leadership at that point. Same with this podcast. If our only goal is to grow the podcast, like we like that the podcast is growing, but we've said it many a times, if it's a million listeners or if it's one listener, we're going to continue to do this as long as the Lord has called us and to I do it. And I struggle with that because I struggle with looking at the stats every week. <laughs> well, know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there are times where it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe that's happened. And it's like, to me, I look at him and go, wow, thank you, God. Thank you for using little old me. Because I am nothing, and I'm so glad that your your message is getting out and helping people. Because, again, it's not me. It's him. I wouldn't have, be, have any wisdom or knowledge without him. I wouldn't, We wouldn't even have the funds or the resources to be able to put on this podcast without him. So um, I think it's important that we remember where we came from. You know, pride cometh before the fall, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a couple of scriptures I wrote down on pride. I like how you got all these scriptures and I keep pulling up my, <laughs> but Proverbs 29, 23 says a person's pride will humble him, right? But a humble spirit will gain honor. Hmm. So when your pride, when you get, start getting prideful, this is where the pride comes before the fall. Uh, your pride's going to end up humbling you. So mm-hmm. if you're constantly looking at stats, constantly wanting to grow your organization at some point, it's all going to be taken away. As and a it's not aspect. yours. And that's the thing that, you know, a lot of great pastors remember the fact of, you know, uh, and we can talk about this, you know, because we both follow very certain pastors. Like I'm a very big Matt Chandler, JD Greer fan, Tim Keller, John Piper. Um, you know, the list goes on. John John Stott's a big one for me too. Right. And so we have these. And I'm a Thomas Rayner, a John Piper, those type of guys. Uh, you know, uh, MacArthur. Uh, yeah, MacArthur, uh, Dale Partridge. You know, I follow. I'm big Kevin DeYoung, and yep. and that thing's like, I like so, Kevin DeYoung. So we though. have these pastors <laughs> that we follow, and sure. and. 
Um, I listened to an interview that uh, J.D. Greer did because J.D. Greer has this podcast that's sure. sponsored by Lifeway Leadership called Ask, Ask Me Anything. Right. And so the people just ask Pastor J.D. questions and he answers it. It so, all stemmed off of Ask Pastor John. <laughs> it, it really did. And and so someone asked about the celebrity pastor mindset and, you know, uh, being a celebrity, uh, I think J.D. Greer's wife said it with the fact of no, nobody really knows you, but you're inviting everyone to be in your business, basically. And that's yeah. what it means to be a celebrity. And you know, we follow these pastors and I think it's not a bad thing that there are pastors who have platforms and sure. who have names because Jesus used Paul as a platform. Paul had a platform. Apollos had a platform. Sure. Timothy had a platform. Platforms happen out right. of natural leadership and out of God's grace. The platform itself is not bad. It's what we do with the platform, our mindset. And I would say even how prideful. do we change because of right. the where, platform? Where, where does the pride creep in on the platform? <laughs> right. And so I, here's the, maybe the next question to go into before we start to wrap it up. Sure. But, um, does the Bible say that mega churches are bad and we shouldn't want those and rather we should go to small house churches or not? Mm, or is it, that an American problem? It does not say that. I'll give you my opinion. Yeah, go for it. My opinion is churches, there's two different types of growth. There's growth in numbers and growth in spirit. And I think your smaller churches, because you're more intimately connected, grow in spirit. And your mega churches, because there's so many, grow in number. And there's two different ways. So one church, a small church, the roots are an inch wide and a mile deep. And a mega church, the roots are a mile wide and an inch deep. Which one is going to survive the storm? The one that's, you know, a mile deep. A mile, the roots are a mile deep, right. So those those small, this is just my opinion. I think those smaller churches, because they're growing more spiritually, they're not surface deep messages. They're not, you know, just these little Sunday morning, Wednesday night, whatever, or I'll, I'm listening to their podcast, but it's an actual growing with the tribe, which I, we we both see the importance of that. Um I think they weather the storm a little bit better than than members of a mega church. Well, because you're known, you know. Right. And I was talking with a guy last night. He was. A, <laughs> it's really cool when you when you call a guy for you know some roofing work done. And you find out he's a Christian, and so hopefully AJ, you're listening right now. And we had a great conversation because he goes to one of the local big churches, and right. he said, you know, he's grown his faith so much at that church. He got saved in a little independent fundamental Baptist church in Missouri. Came up here. And, you know, he said that he, he, him and his wife forced themselves to find connection and be part of a ministry. So he goes, if I would leave that church, he goes, my people would know. And he goes, he has a really strong tribe, but he goes, how many people, and he was asking this question, he goes, how many people are at this church right now where if they left, ain't nobody going to know and nobody's going to care. Right. And that's a valid question. But I think there's a lot of good things that come out of these bigger churches that can do things that little churches can't do. Like, you know, uh, some of the big churches in our area, they're the ones who are doing the big food drives and the hunger drives, and they're in the schools. I've seen one big church take over an entire, like, middle school and high school, and they're like, we're going to love the snot out of it. Can we clean the entire school? Like, let's let's get this thing ready. And so a little church can't necessarily do that, but then there's also a little church locally here in South Bend where every year they send two Riley kids to college for well, free their freshman year, and they're a small church. I was so also, a small church has great opportunities too. I was also part of a, a church plant, Riverside. Yep. Where they bought a God gave a community center. God gave them the old the beacon the old beacon bowling yep and they turned it into a community center and they're a small <clears throat> they don't have any more members than what we do here at Southside and they don't have a sanctuary they have a gym but they tear up all they do they down, have a community set up they built down. a community center <clears throat> and that's where they have their worship on Sunday mornings but the rest of the week it's a community center where they serve and I'm here for it and that's a small church had decided to do that they decided rather than paying for a building and and having the expenses of just a building for just church, we're going to build a community center, and then we'll just hold church at the community center. Mm -hmm. And to me, that shows that a small church can still reach Have out and big do. Impact. Yeah, exactly, because they're impacting the whole west side. Right. And and I'm one where I don't think mega churches are inherently evil either. Right. It's more of, well, what's the purpose and why are you doing what you're doing? Because, you know, like I, Matt Chandler, J.D. Greer, Piper, sure. uh, Kevin DeYoung, all these people sure. have uh, – uh, Tim Keller sure. has – Big, big, big ministries. Mm -hmm. But what are those ministries fighting for? But, they fight for that small community. But look at you know? the congregation. Mm -hmm. uh, don't look to the man right. leading the congregation. Look to the congregation because that's ultimately the pastor is supposed to be watering. How deep are their roots? 
How deep are their roots? Is are their roots deeper in a smaller church or a bigger church? Per capita, per per you know, if you want to do percentages, smaller. <clears throat> I, yeah. I think a bigger a smaller church is going to have a bigger percentage of people that have deeper roots. Because there's a lot more ownership of it. Correct. So I, that that's just kind of where I stand with it. I'm not saying that mega church is wrong. I just say I don't see. I've never seen. And I can only take the mega church we have here in South Bend, Mishawaka area, GCC. Well, there's also, but I would say Gospel City's at that level too. Yeah, not quite. They don't have multiple campuses like, like GCC does. I don't think. Do they have multiple? I thought they only had one. They have two now, and they have a church plant. So, but what I see is I look at the at the roots of the congregation. I know people that, that go to GCC, and I don't mean to call out GCC. I'm not going to say the whole name. I'm just going to say the initials. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I, I know I personally know some of the people that go there, and let me tell you, their roots are not even an inch deep. Mm-hmm. They they go there to click off the checkbox. Hey, I went to church today. I'm a good person, and that's it. And then I look at people here at Southside, at people at Riverside, at these other smaller churches, and, and their their faith is real. And that's what I'm comparing my my thoughts to. Your experience to, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So before we we let it go, I want to yeah. read what the Bible says about the church and the role of a pastor. Yeah, dive into that, and, and then, then I'll talk about from. I, I really think this list is really cool to wrap it up from Relevant yeah, Magazine. Go ahead. I'm gonna. That was my final thought. I'm gonna let you read this stuff to wrap it up. Cool, cool. So what the Bible tells about the church and the role of pastors? I got three passages, um, all from the CSB, because you know we love the CSB. So Acts two forty through forty four, which these are some of my favorite verses. Um, it says, with many words, he testified, uh, he being Peter, and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. So what is this saying? It's the fact of... Yes, 3,000 people were saved at that moment. And then, sure. you know, a little later in Acts, we see 5,000 people were saved. Sure. And so it's a large gathering, but what did they do? The role of the, the, the church is supposed to gather to study the teachings of the apostles about Jesus and, and the Bible but, and but, the fellowship and the prayers and the breaking of bread. Now, I don't think they were following people to each other's house and <laughs> well, groups that, of 3,000. That's what I was going to say. I don't think this was specifically talking about the church. It was talking about, hey, this these people were three thousand people were baptized and saved that day, and then I'm assuming then they, went. they went out to the and, and got plugged into their tribe. This is the big one right here. And um, oh, I, I I forgot to um to add this one verse, but the next verse says for verse thirty five and it says, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. So what did right. they do? They loved each other. They studied the teachings of the apostles about Jesus. They 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 fellowship together. They took communion together. They prayed together. They did life together. They had all things in common. And God added to their number. Right. So the role of the church is not to just sit and listen to a man speak. Sure. It's to gather together to sure. grow together. Second um, Timothy four, and I have one from First Timothy. This is more of uh, Paul, big pastor, trying to teach Timothy, little pastor, of like, okay, here's what you, here's what your role is as a pastor. He right. says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. Oh, that's terrifying. And because His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Now, with great patience. I think that's... I struggle. I struggle with that one. Yeah. It's like, I just want to teach you. I want you to get it. <laughs> I want you to teach and go, teach and go. Yeah. But, you know, in order to do that, you got to know where people are at. You know, pastors got to get in their mess in the mess of their hands. And right. the, the guy I was talking to, the, the roofer the other day, he goes, you know, in all honesty, I mean, we talked for maybe 45 minutes. Great, great spiritual conversation. He goes, honestly, he goes... I have more of a connection with you than my pastors at my church. Mm. And he goes, I, he goes, I'm on a hello basis, but he goes, that's what you lose when you're at a big church. And, and him and his wife were struggling through it. But, you know, you have to know, as a pastor, I believe you'll be ready in season, out of season, but to rebuke, correct, come alongside with patience and teach. First uh, Timothy 4, 11 through 16 says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, and love, and faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation and teaching don't neglect the gift that is in you which i think that's key to this is the fact of don't neglect the gift that god gave you so right. people who have a pl- like like you know john piper's matt Chandler's, these They've great communicators they have a gift they have a gift so don't don't neglect it but this is where it's good it was given to you through prophecy with the laying on the hands by the council uh, council of elders practice these things be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all but pay close attention to your life and your teaching Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and 
your hearers. And I think ultimately this is why the mega church pastors that have fallen have fallen, why the little church pastors have fallen that are fallen is they don't pay close attention to their life right. and their teaching. Right. A lot of times they just focus on their teaching, right? but not the lives that are backing up what they're teaching. And, and what has happened, you know, um, thankfully for me, I don't want to say Mark Driscoll's falling destroyed my faith or Perry Noble's falling destroyed my faith, but it's more the fact of it hurts to see as a pastor. Right. And it hurts for me to see as I, I followed these men and I followed their teachings. And the question is, how many other people have fallen because of it? And, right. you know, J.D. Greer even said one time, he, he'll ask people, like, if, if I ever leave this church, let's say he goes, let's say I just decide to quit and leave or I die and it's whatever. He goes, would you stay at this church because you love this church? Or will you leave because you followed me? Right. And J.D. Greer says, if you answer, well, oh, I'll go find someone because I just loved your teaching so much. He goes, that's a wrong answer. Yeah. And that's why I love that. Church man. should never be about the building or the or, or the, the pastor. Or the speaker. Like, I actually, now I think you should have a staff bio on your website just so people know who the people sure. are. But I actually don't, I mean, this is something that I've thought about even with our, our church sign. I don't think the pastor's name should be on the church sign. Right. Because the name don't matter. Right. Jesus' yep, name is what matters. Um, Relevant Magazine had a really cool article. We'll put the links to Carrie Newoff's article and Relevance also in the magazine. Um, but it says, why do many, many pastors fail? Um, the first reason was being a pastor is more pressure than you could imagine. Being a pastor is lonely is number two. And last, being a pastor is an ego drug. And they said that's ultimately why people fall. Um, and then, you know, someone asked a question. This was featured in Carrie Newell's article of, okay, so we have some of these pastors like, you know, Grishel, Warren, Stanley, they haven't had moral failures. They haven't gone into alcoholism. They, they, they stay humble and do what they're supposed to do. How did they do it? How did Billy Graham do it? And they, you know, in the Relevant magazine, it actually said, you know, just because someone does it doesn't, like, just because it's a description doesn't mean it's a prescription, you know? Right. Just because you can go on the court and shoot four threes in a row doesn't make you Steph Curry. Right. Like, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. You know, just because you can do this doesn't make you Michael Jordan, doesn't make you this person. It just means, oh, cool, you did it. It's just right. what happened. Um, but, you know, if someone asked the question, okay, so Billy Graham, why did Billy Graham finish well? You know, this is a man who had a public platform with presidents. Four presidents, yeah. three presidents. He flew four, private I jets think, with yeah. them. He had the biggest gatherings of all time. He had people coming down in droves. He broke the the racial profile when it wasn't even popular. Oh my goodness, he was, was one that said, no, we're not going to have segregation here. You're going to sit together. And people didn't like that. And pe some people were left Everyone left. from tribe, nation, tongue, yep. gender, didn't matter. He's like, the gospel is for everyone. He preached Jesus hard. Well, so why did Billy Graham finish well? And most people know the main Billy Graham rule, which is just never be alone with someone of the opposite sex. And right. that's where they stop. But there's actually four principles. All right, let's Number see. one, he had financial integrity. Billy Graham and his team would not raise money themselves at crusades. He never touched the money. Uh, number two, he had sexual integrity. Number three, he had respect for the local churches. And number four, a commitment to accurately, ac accuracy in reporting. So they would never exaggerate how many people actually showed up and right. gave their lives and all these different things. But ultimately, why did Billy Graham not fail? In that documentary that both you and I watched, oh, I love that. Um, you know, he he fell on his face and prayed every day. And, and he said, fasted and prayed. And he's like, God, this is not my ministry. Keep me humble yeah. and make this about you. And I think that's why so many pastors honestly fail is they see the limelight in, in the, the pat on the backs and the friendships. You know, we've seen a lot of pastors, you know, embezzle money or live these outlandish lifestyles right. because at the end of the day, their ego got too big for them. And just like we started off the episode where Carrie Newell said, it's too easy for our platforms to outgrow our character. And that's where the danger lies. And, and to end the conversation, I think so many of us look at those pastors and be like, oh, I can't believe you failed. Right. But we don't turn and look at us. Right. At ourselves and go, you know, I'm one decision away from falling just like these guys do. And they just yep. had a public platform, so it was a public fall. Right. But but I could fall just as easily. You could fall just as easily. One my stupid solitude, decision. You could fall in solitude or you could fall in the public light. <laughs> and it's true. And so it's like, you know, there's a pressure that we can't imagine. You know, as a Christian, if you find yourself as a lonely, bored Christian, you're going to make some really dumb decisions. Yep. And if your ego gets too big, you're going to make decisions that you'll always, always regret. Yep. So, you know, why do mega church pastors fail? It's because they're human, just like us. And they don't have checks and balances. And, and that's why we, as little peoples who don't have platforms— we need checks and balances. We need friends. Yep. We need people that are, you know, be Apostle Paul even said, you know, God gave me this to humble me. 
Yep. Maybe we should pray that prayer too. It goes back to the dangerous prayer. Seek my heart and know my wicked thoughts and or no, know my know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead yeah. me in the way everlasting. Proverbs one thirty or Psalms one thirty nine? I think so. Yeah, at the end of Psalms one thirty nine. I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I'm gonna read when we're done podcasting. All right. But any any last thoughts before we close this out and get to fun facts? No, man, that was a good way to end the uh, episode. All right, like let's it. do it. Time for Fun Facts February. all right give it to us my dude what's the fun fact for the day well i look very red right now (laughs) look at my sorry i just wow you do look really red on camera i caught a glimpse of myself i'm like wow i'm like i'm not even hot or anything i I don't you're always hot anyways the fun fact of of the day mark and listeners did you know cherophobia is the irrational fear of fun or happiness People with this phobia tend to avoid any kind of situation that others might classify as fun or joyful. The word cherophobia is made up of the Greek words chero, meaning to rejoice, and phobia, meaning fear. For any listeners out there with cherophobia, please stop listening to these fun facts now. (laughs) We We can't imagine the psychological pain you've gone through by listening to these already. <laughs> did you just dad joke the fun fact? I did. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, that was a fun fact. The fear of... Cherophobia. The fear of fun. Yeah, no, we don't have that fear. No, we have way too much fun on this episode. We, and we hope do. you guys had fun with this episode as well and all the other ones. Just like always, if you listen to Apple Podcasts or if you just want to be awesome and download Apple Podcasts and just leave a review, we would be most grateful for that. But just like always, you can get all of our information over at realtalkchristianpodcast.com where you can get our email address, the phone number, links to social medias, and listen to so many other episodes. Always check out the show notes for all the links so that we've mentioned, and hey, maybe even some other episodes that you may enjoy. Anything else we got to say before we go? No, just uh, don't forget the Christmas is coming up. If you haven't Woo-hoo. already ordered a Christmas gift for your loved ones, the CS Bible, CSB, is uh, is always a great Christmas gift. It's what we use here on the podcast, yep. and uh, yeah, they're always running good specials. And be on the lookout for our Christmas giveaway. Oh yeah, I love it. We'll, we'll let hey, you know how to do it. I love it. But until next time, guys, take it easy.